Welcome to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast, helping people who want to improve their health and change their mindset around food so they can live the life they were designed and called for. I am your host, Adrian Delgado, and in this podcast, I'll give you step-by-step action plans to reach your health goals, as well as my favorite recipes I know you and your family will enjoy. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back. I'm so glad you're here. And I'm so excited to talk to you today about the topic of cravings. Now that we're a couple weeks into January, you may notice that your motivation for working towards your health goals has decreased a little bit. You know, January 1st, we are all motivated. We're hopeful, you know, for new beginnings. Maybe this is it. Maybe this will be the year that I accomplish what I set out to accomplish. And then reality sets in. A couple weeks go by and you realize, huh, not so motivated anymore. And then you may start to have cravings for certain foods and they're not so easy to push away anymore because that motivation has left. And so today I want to talk about cravings and I want to talk about how we can handle them because here's the deal. As long as there is breath in your lungs, you will have cravings from time to time. There is nothing wrong with you because you have cravings and it is not a, it's not something that you are going to overcome. I think that's a a false truth that we believe. Like, well, when I get good at this, I will never have cravings again. Or when I, I finally arrive at my goal, I'll never have cravings again. And that's just a lie. You will always have cravings because you're human and they happen. So rather than being fearful of them happening or stressed out because they're still happening, how about we just learn how to deal with them? And so today, I'm going to give you what I call the three D's of dealing with a craving. The first D is delay. All right. So the first thing we have to do is delay. We have to figure out a way to not give into that craving right away. Temptation decreases over time. So we need to put a little bit of distance time-wise between us and giving into the craving. And we do that by delaying. Start with two minutes. Just start with two minutes. You know, if a craving comes to mind, I want you to say, okay, I can have it, but I need to wait two minutes. You know, gradually work your way up to five minutes, you know, or work your way up to 10 minutes. You know, the longer you wait, the less the temptation feels urgent. But in the beginning, I don't want you to start out with 10 minutes because that's going to feel like eternity. So we start out with two minutes. The thing is, when you get cravings, our initial reaction is to push them away. Oh my goodness, I can't have this craving. It needs to go away. Um, I can't have it. And your brain wants to push it away because it feels threatening. The problem is when you try to push a craving away, it only comes back stronger and more intense And that's why we give in to them because it feels like it's overwhelming. So we don't want to push away. We just want to delay. 
Now, I've talked about this many times before in previous podcasts, but let's do a review. Remember, there are two parts of your brain. In the front, like right where your forehead is, there's what we call the prefrontal cortex. This is the part of your brain that's responsible for goals, forward thinking, logic, consequences. This is the part of the brain we want to use most often because we make good choices. We make good decisions. In the back of our head is what we call the midbrain. Some people like to call it the toddler brain. This is the part of the brain that always answers questions based on pain avoidance and immediate gratification. This is where we are impulsive. Um, when we see that candy bar in the checkout aisle, we're like, but I want it. I see it and I want it, immediate gratification. The problem with our brain is that the midbrain, the one in the back, it always answers first. I remember I had a client one time who went through rehab and he told me that one of the things they drilled into them when they were during when they were there during their stay is first thought wrong. First thought wrong, which makes sense because the midbrain which is always answering from the lens of pain avoidance and immediate gratification is going to make impulsive rest rash decisions without using the front part of your brain, the prefrontal cortex, which is responsible for long-term goals. And so because the midbrain answers first, we need to allow the prefrontal cortex to join in on the conversation. We need to wait a few moments and breathe and bring oxygen to the prefrontal cortex so it can be included in the conversation. Otherwise, if you're only listening to the midbrain, you're going to make decisions that are not in alignment with your long-term goals. And we know this to be true because we do this all the time. We make these goals and we're like, okay, I'm going to lose weight, right? I'm going to lose weight today. I'm going to be good. I'm going to eat all the good things. And then all of a sudden you're at work and you see cookies and you're like, oh, a cookie. And you just throw it in your mouth and you don't even think about it. And then afterwards, you get really upset with yourself. Why did I do that? I know better. Why? I didn't even think it through. I just shoved it in my mouth. I, it was like an out-of-body experience. I don't even remember thinking about it. I just grabbed and ate. It's because you allowed your midbrain to do all the thinking for you. And so telling yourself, just wait five minutes. You can have whatever you want. Just wait five minutes. And if you still want it, then you can grab it. What you're doing is you're allowing more oxygen to get to the prefrontal cortex so it can be included in the conversation. And then the conversation is going to go like this. Ooh, a cookie. I want it. Okay, you're going to wait five minutes and see if you still want it. And then the prefrontal cortex is going to say, oh, I know you want that cookie, but remember, you're really working hard at your health goal. Are you sure that's what you really want to do? And then you get to decide, but at least then you have two options to choose from. Where before the midbrain was doing all the choosing for you, now all of a sudden you allow the prefrontal cortex to be included and you have options. Options are what we want. Options are what makes us pause and think about, is this really what I want to do? And chances are, you're going to realize that you don't want the cookie. 
but at least you gave yourself a fair shot where before it was just automatic and you just threw it in your mouth and you got really angry at yourself because you didn't think. Well, now we're going to think. And that's what delaying does. So step one is always to delay. Give yourself a time limit for you to make a decision later. Don't push it away and say you can't have the cookie. You can never have the cookie. This is terrible because you're having the craving. Just give yourself a couple minutes to think. All right. And while you're thinking, you know, maybe ask yourself, why do I want this? Get really curious, not from a place of judgment and condemnation, but a place of, yeah, why do I want this cookie? It allows you to check in with yourself. Are you even physically hungry? You know, are you bored? Are you sad? Are you tired? Are you lonely? Are you agitated? At least own up to what you're feeling in the moment so you have a clear vision of what is going on versus chalking it up to, you know, I'm confused. I don't know. I just always grab it. I always, I never do what I'm supposed to do. That feels out of your control. Get it back in your control by having an honest conversation with it and then own it. We don't take ownership for enough things, but we need to. All right. So once you have delayed, remember not pushed away completely, just give yourself a a couple minutes. The next thing you're going to do is distract. All right. This is where you're going to go find something to do, whether it's putting a load of laundry in the wash machine or cleaning or making a phone call, take your dog for a walk, walk around the block, chew gum, go get a glass of water, um, organize a drawer, check your email, check your socials, read something, watch TV, go dance, you know, sing a song, meditate, whatever you need to do. Yeah. Even better, do some sit-ups or push-ups, wall squats. Whatever you need to do, you need to go distract yourself. Just sitting there and waiting for the time to go by is not one of your options. You need to mentally and physically create distance between yourself and the food. You know, telling yourself, I'm going to wait for five minutes and then sitting in the kitchen and looking at the cookie is not going to be helpful. Go physically distance yourself from the food and mentally distance yourself by creating a distraction, go find something to do. I mean, how many times do you say this to your kids all the time? Go find something to do. Find something to do. Sitting here bugging me is not one of your options. Now, I did mention some exercise. And for some of you, you're probably rolling your eyes like, ugh, I'm not going to go do sit-ups when all I want to do is eat a cookie. But exercise specifically helps your body feel good. And when you feel good, you actually don't, well, you might find you don't need the food you're craving because in the moment, especially if it's an emotional hunger, you're not actually craving food. You're craving relief from the uncomfortable emotion. And so if you can provide those feel-good hormones through movement and exercise, you might find that you are rectifying the original problem, the uncomfortable emotion, the agitation, the loneliness, the boredom. 
you know, there's emotions that we don't like to feel because they feel uncomfortable in our bodies. Exercise can provide relief for that. And you may realize, huh, that desire, that craving, it actually went away. I don't need it anymore. But other things can do that too, right? Getting some fresh air, going outdoors, calling a friend, talking something out, playing with a pet. All of those can make you feel better too. How you know it's a good coping strategy is that you feel better after you do it rather than worse. And what I mean by that is when we eat or drink or smoke or spend money, we always feel guilt after that. So we know that it's not a great coping strategy because we feel worse than when we originally started. How we know it's a great coping strategy is we feel better. You know, after that great conversation with a friend, you feel better. After going outside for a walk, you feel better. And that's all you were searching for and you were looking for it in a cookie, but you've learned to find it in other ways. And so after you delay, you give yourself five minutes I want you to go distract yourself mentally and physically put some distance in between you and the item that you're craving. And I just want you in that moment, it's a great opportunity for you to take care of yourself. And that's actually the words I want you to use. This is how I take care of myself. Not, Ugh, Adrian said I can't have it. So ugh, I'm just going to stop my feet and be angry that I have to wait for five minutes and go clean something because it's a punishment for having a craving. No, not at all. This is where you say the words to yourself. This is how I take care of myself. Clearly, I'm missing something. I need something. I need some help. And this is how I take care of myself by honoring my needs instead of covering them up with food. And the third step is to declare your why. Now, what does that mean? So I often ask people, what is your why? Why? Why did you come into the office? Why did you pick up the phone and call to make an appointment? Why did you want to lose weight? Why do you want to improve your blood sugars? Why do you want to improve your lab values? Why do you want to run this 5K? The why is our motivation behind our goal. And becoming really clear about that motivation is going to be helpful in the moment when you're trying to make a hard decision. Now, some of us will make a very generic why. Well, because I want to be healthier. Uh, Because I want to look better. I want to feel better. And those are very nice whys, but they're not going to connect you to your goal in the moment. So what I always recommend is find a why that makes you feel like you got punched in the gut or a why that makes you a little emotional. You know, the whys where I want to be around for my grandchildren, that hits home a little bit more. I had a lady one time make a goal or her why I should say was because I'm sick of wearing the same black pants to work every day. And she got a little choked up. That's when you know you found a really powerful why. 
Now, I run a class called Jumpstart a couple times a year, and it's a six-week health and weight loss course where we kind of go all in. It's a high-level accountability class, and we just we do the work for six weeks, and we show up the way that we envision ourselves showing up, but sometimes just need a little help along the way, and that's what that course provides. And part of the homework assignment is to write down your why on a daily basis. The reason we do that is because it's a recommitment to our goal every single day. Like I was saying earlier, it's easy to forget your why in the moment. Oh, cookie, that looks good. And you eat it. And you don't give a single thought to why you made a goal in the first place. So we need reminders because we're human and because we got a lot going on and a lot of things vying for our attention. And so when we create a really powerful why, we need to remind ourselves of it often. So maybe you put your why as your screensaver on your phone, because how many times do you go on your phone a day? That's a lot of reminders. Uh, Sometimes you can write your why out and put it by your desk computer or your steering wheel. If you tend to, you know, run through fast food often because it's the quick, easy solution, maybe type out your why and put it on your steering wheel to remind you. Uh, Put it on your bathroom mirror to remind yourself every single morning of your commitment to your goal. Or maybe you need to put it on your TV remote (laughs) because a lot of us connect watching TV at night to eating snacks. Wherever your challenge is, wherever you struggle, that's where you need that recommitment to your why. The reason why you did this in the first place and reasoning, or I should say the reason you're going to back up your prefrontal cortex when it gently reminds you, hey, remember we also made a goal and in the moment it's just easy to dismiss it, but now your why gives you motivation to follow through. All right, so I want you to think about what is your why? If you've never thought about it, let's do that right now. Figure out what your why is, and then I want you to recommit to it and recommit daily or recommit multiple times a day. Recommit to it while you're distracting yourself. When you're giving yourself that five minutes before you head back into the kitchen to make your decision what you want to do. Give yourself every opportunity to come up with an alternative. Because here's the deal. Whatever your last thought is, whichever thought gets the last word, that's the action you're going to take. So it's important we come up with a rebuttal and a really powerful why. So in the moment, that has a stronger case, and that's the decision we make. Right? This whole, the whole point of you listening to this podcast is to figure out how do you not eat the cookie because you thought of a cookie. That's what you're asking me to do. I don't want to eat the cookie, but in the moment I want to eat the cookie, so tell me how to not eat the cookie. This is how you do it. You delay, you distract, and you declare your why. Now, I'm going to give you a couple bonus tips because that's what I do. Um, There's a couple other things that you can do to help decrease cravings. Number one, get enough sleep. Get enough sleep. 
All right. They actually, there was a study I was reading to prepare for this uh, podcast and uh, where the individuals normally got seven to nine hours of sleep. They decreased their sleep one evening by a third less. So this means they were getting about anywhere between four and three quarter hours sleep to six hours of sleep. So just one night and their cravings increased dramatically just from losing one night's sleep and not a whole night's sleep, just a third less. Think of how much sleep you get on a daily basis. Now, for some of us, we're terrible sleepers. And I did a podcast about sleep um, probably close to a year ago. So you can look that up if you, if you want to learn more about sleep. But for a lot of us, it's a cumulative effect. We're not getting enough sleep multiple nights. And it's not necessarily because we can't fall asleep. It's because we're watching Netflix or we're watching TV or, you know what, the kids are finally in bed and this is my time. And we feel, and you know, we feel like we need to get our time. Like we're, it's, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. Um, it's our right. No, it's not our right. Our right is to take care of our bodies and get sleep. So getting enough rest each night can help decrease your cravings by 25%. So that is a high enough percentage for me to prioritize sleep. Uh, Exercising daily. Again, exercise is a great way to manage stress. And when we can manage stress, we are able to think more clearly and make better decisions. And then the other thing I want to mention is sometimes we need to evaluate our diet. Are you eating enough during the day? Because if you are not, those cravings are going to come at you hard and fast, especially at night. So if you are underfueling yourself during the day, it may increase your cravings later on. So just make sure you're, you're feeding yourself well. If you have specific questions, that is what we're here for. I want you to go online to bodymetricshealth.com and schedule an appointment so you can have somebody evaluate your diet and make sure that you're eating enough throughout the day. We're here to help. All right, please use us. We have two locations. We can see you through telehealth. Do not try to do this alone. Not when there are people here excited and willing and able to help you. All right, guys, I got to give you your recipe. So this is a beet and orange salad. And I don't know if I've ever shared with you before, but I love the combination of beets and oranges. There's a local restaurant and over the summer they have a beet and orange salad. And I always get the grilled chicken and grilled shrimp with it because it is just amazing. So for this recipe, you're going to need one beet. Um, you're going to need a medium orange, peeled and segmented, a quarter of a small red onion, finely sliced, one large handful of kale. Alternatively, you can use spinach. You're going to need about, well, I don't know, for the next ingredients, you're just going to sprinkle it on a little bit of goat cheese, some dried cranberries, pumpkin seeds, and sunflower seeds. And if you want, you can add grilled chicken to this recipe, or you can add grilled shrimp. Or if you're like me, add both, because why not? All right. Um, You're going to uh, roast the beet in uh, the oven. Now, I'm going to give you a tip. I mean, the recipe tells you to roast the beet. 
There is a product called Geffen Beets. It is at the grocery store. It is in the canned vegetable section and they are whole cooked peeled beets. If you like beets, you're welcome because this is going to be your new favorite item. You don't have to roast it and you know spend 30, 40 minutes roasting it in the oven. You don't have to peel them, which is a pain in the butt. It is all ready for you and they are vacuum sealed and it is wonderful. So I want you to get them. They're called Geffen, G-E-F-E-M, Beets. I'm not getting paid by the Geffen people. They're not sponsoring this, but they are amazing. And so it is my duty to tell you when I find products that I love. So get the beets and you just slice them up. All right. Um, Like I said, you can grill some chicken, grill some shrimp for this, grill both. Um, You're just going to throw all that in your salad. And then to make the dressing, you're going to need a teaspoon of Dijon mustard, a teaspoon of honey, two teaspoons of lemon juice, and a tablespoon of olive oil. And just go ahead and mix them all up in a small bowl and drizzle that over your salad. And so I love, love, love the salad. And I would love to hear if you enjoy it too. All right, guys, that's what we have for today. I hope you have an excellent week. I will see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Nourish Eat Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricshealth.com. You can also find us on socials. We're on Instagram and Facebook at bodymetricshealth. The book Nourish Eat Repeat is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrienne Delgado, and I'll see you next week.